Welcome to Speak of the Devil. My name is Reverend Campbell, and I've got a fantastic show for you this week. Uh, before I get into the show, let me just give a quick shout out to uh, Wes and Jared. Thank you guys so much for coming in so early on the chat room. For anyone else who's going to be joining us after the fact or during the course of the show, uh, if you have any questions or anything, go ahead and put it up in there or just talk amongst yourselves while the show is going on. Uh, my guest for today, Emily, so great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Our guest for today is uh, Citizen DA. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How about you, Reverend Campbell? I'm doing great. And might I just say, you look smashing. I really dig it. <laughs> yeah. I love it when people dress up. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being in a t-shirt or, or whatever. But right. it, it, it's something else when you can uh, put on a tie. I like it. Hey, I love Justin Timberlake. One of his best songs <laughs> is Suit and Tie. Well, there you go. I live with that. <laughs> um, Andres, Michael, Stephanie... Thank you guys so much for joining. Um, okay, so we've got uh, we got a bit of ground to cover because I mean you sort of span the gamut in uh, interests, and certainly in areas that I am not familiar. And so I'm going to want to touch on those here in just a little second here. Um, but it is speak of the devil, so let's front load with a little bit of uh, Satanism. <laughs> How were you first introduced to Satanism? Oh man, um, well I was about 19. I grew up in a small town in the East Bay of California, mm -hmm. San Francisco East Bay. And I was 19 years old. I went to Borders Books, when it still existed at the time, yep, yep. <laughs> in, a, in my, at my local mall in um, Small Little Borders, Borders Outlet. And I, know I, I've all, I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness household. So I heard all kinds of stories about, oh, witchcraft and spiritism and demons and all of this dark things that are out to get you and pull you away from Jehovah and Christ and lead you down the worldly path. And I always thought to myself, I never believed in any of it. Even as a little kid, I would hear the sermons and I'd hear about, about God. And I thought, this guy's a monster. <laughs> it's true. This guy's a terrible killing children. I remember when I was, I was about seven, six, seven years old. And there was this story about Elisha, the prophet mm. who 42 kids made fun of him because he was bald, and then God sent out two bears to rip him to shreds. And I actually said, in the Kingdom Hall, I, I kid you not, I said in the Kingdom Hall, that's awful. They just made fun of him. Why, why did God have to kill him? My mom's like, yes, he did. They were evil. I was like, jeez. And, and I thought, I felt sorry for Satan. Satan's the villain. All he did was tell Eve to eat some fruit. <laughs> He's like, you look famished. Have an apple. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 he gave us knowledge, so he's the bad guy. And then I read more of the Bible. I thought, this is bullshit. Even at eight years old, eight, ten years old, this is bullshit. And I saw. Let me interrupt really quick because I always loved that one little thought, that little kernel that everyone seems to walk past. And it always gives me pause. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden in this wonderful little myth because mm -hmm. they were given forbidden knowledge, which just, it really frames the entirety of all religion. We don't want you intelligent. We don't want you thinking. We want you as stupid as possible, so you'll believe this shit. <laughs> I just thought well, Absolutely, so especially for the female ones, you know? Yeah. The woman is the first one who eats it, and she gains the knowledge first, and Adam, being pussy-whipped, decides to go <laughs> along with it. But she gets blamed for all the, she's the one who deals with the, you know, the birth pains and all the, just the, <laughs> Horrible stressors though that come along with them. I mean, to be fair, we did give up a rib, so it's kind of even. 
but stupid Bible jokes, people. Sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, I went to all the other religions. I studied, you know, Buddhism, and I found some things I could relate to. But then, it, eh, Islam terrified the shit out of me. Um, all the other Christian religions, bullshit. Hmm. I went to Wicca, and I thought, oh God, hippy dippy crap like this. <laughs> and it's just all these unnecessary steps and just overly complicated. Hmm. Then one day I went to the metaphysics section of the borders. I was just looking around like, well, okay, what's this? Yeah, more Wicca crap, more of this. Saw this little black book. In the metaphysical section. <laughs> I was like reaching for it, little black book. Oh. And, you know, Turn it around. <laughs> and I just turn around and I, I see the Baphomet and the Satanic Bible. At first I was kind of freaked out. Like, oh, there's those devil worshippers my mom warned me about. <laughs> Let's go find out. And then I just walk to the walk to the register, pick it up, take it home. I read it. I go up to my room and I lock the door behind me. Just read it. Read the introduction. Like, okay, there's okay. This Gilmore guy. Mm. And then I started the nine satanic statements. It's like, okay, this so far so good. Then I just kept turning pages. They just kept coming naturally, pages after page, and everything was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. I had to put the book down a few times and go like yes this, this is it mm, I, I thought that i've always felt that way yes and then by the time i was done with it i i was i couldn't know how to process all of it i this is the first religious text i've ever read which is not full of shit right, right. and it just resonated with me it was and i read the introduction again and when magus gilmore used the term the mirror it made perfect sense this was like I was looking at a myself, a part of myself. I don't I, have that edition. With I have like a really old one, so I didn't even know that there was a version where Magus Gilmore does an intro. To be quite honest, the 2005 edition. Oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, opening the Adamantian gates. Now I'm gonna have to grab another damn satanic. That's all I need is another satanic Bible. How many copies do you have? <laughs> I have my. Well, that's not true. I've I've gone through three. But that's because people steal them or don't return them. So, yeah. You know. If I want a friend to know about Satanism, I actually buy them a copy if, I, yeah. if I'm if I'm so inclined. Right, right. Um, I I think that's great. I, I'm curious. How did your parents or your mom, as a Jehovah's Witness, react? Have you ever come out to her about that? Hell no. <laughs> to this day. No. no, no. Look, I've come out. I've come out to her about enough. Enough things. I don't want to add that. Put her through She's enough. I mean, I can't let us buy. She's already had a hard enough time with that. I'm not going to potentially add the the straw that broke her poor little heart. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So, how, do you feel like? I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, um, do, you, do you ever feel like? Sorry, guys. There's there's a slight delay in all of this. Um, do you ever feel like uh, you're hiding a part of yourself, or because you were always a Satanist that you just identified a name to it? Do you feel like you're just the same person the whole time? To her. Uh, 
there is a part of was a part of me which thought, yeah, I'm hiding it. Mm. But then again, when it comes to something like religion or really personal viewpoints on things, really personal ideologies that you adhere to or cling to. Right. I don't know if cling is the correct word, but I'm going to use it. Um, no, it, it's it's a it's no one else's business. Right. She doesn't have to know. Just like there's probably things about her that I don't know and I don't want to know. Yeah. But when it comes to things, other things in life, like your your sexual orientation, who you might potentially be in love with, fall in love with, that should be more grounds for telling other people because unlike ideas, actions can't be hidden quite as well. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also am, am pretty impressed that during your early discovery, you didn't just shout at the moon. Usually that's like the first thing people do. And certainly the first thing I did <laughs> was very much first phase reactionary. And did, did you ever go through any other, you know, stereotypical first phase stuff when you when we first read the Satanic Bible? Yeah, a, a few first phase things, a few, but I didn't go around telling everyone, yeah. becoming some great, um, it's totally not what you think it is. It's so hot. <laughs> exactly. I didn't, I didn't go through the, the become like a purgatory pulpit pounder. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I would confront some of, some of my Christian friends about your religion's shit. Mm. It's full of shit. And that, but then again, I was kind of doing that before I discovered Satanism, so it's not fantastically <laughs> yeah. going off the mark. <laughs> to be fair, that's just a normal reaction <laughs> to Christianity, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, so really, I mean, you're you're just a straight up writer as a creative uh, form of expression, right? Yeah, I, I I tried my hand at art, drawing, and all of that. I've tried it at music, just doesn't work. Well, can we go to the maybe to the genesis of that exploration? What what first inspired you to put pen to paper outside of you know in a creative fashion outside of school or something like that? Um, wanting to just to create my own stories based off of favorite television shows growing up as a as a kid. Like yeah. I want to see this ending instead, or I want to put myself in this situation in this show, yeah. and I get the girl, or I do this. <laughs> so I created like these uh these little fan fictions. What kind of shows? Um, I would start off, you know, things like Star Wars. Nice. Um, Pokemon. <laughs> really? I, I, Can I yeah, ask you something I, about that? Because I've never understood that it is like a, it's a crazy cultural phenomenon that it was just beyond my, I think it was just the generation after me. I don't know why I've never understood it. To be fair, I've never really looked into it either. Is there any way you could break down what's your attraction to that? Well, I discovered it when I was 10 years old. And that's what got me into this whole anime mess in the first place. Yeah. And um, it was just the feeling of, as it first came out, the, the main character was the same age as me. Mm -hmm. He was, it was almost like it was kind of peering into my life a little bit. The main character was the same age as me. Mm -hmm. He was raised by a single mother. He wanted to go out and do things. So even though he was young, it was the fantasy of kids going out and going on adventures and nice. being self-reliant and having animal friends that will help you in life. And you get to have those animal friends battle other people's animals' friends to say which one's <laughs> the other one's ass and which one's the superior pet. No, my cat's better. No, my cat's better. <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's, it, it's, it's, 
it's childish. Yeah, but it's, well, I mean, it, you know, you were a child, so. Well, exactly. And it still holds a place to my heart, but mm-hmm. I was, that was my crack cocaine when I was a kid. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that exact phrasing because Jared said it's like some kind of crack addiction. <laughs> For some people. It was. It was bad. Wow. Um, oh, so Emily said that she read parts of the Satanic Bible to her Catholic mother. I bet that was an interesting conversation to be had. Um, and Jared says Pokemon, it's like childhood dog fighting, <laughs> like cockfighting or something. <laughs> That's probably what got Michael Vick started. <laughs> You cut your teeth on Pokemon, and next thing you know, it's just not enough. You got to get to real animals. It's, a game, it's like it's not a game; it's a lifestyle. <laughs> if only Pokemon Go were out earlier, <laughs> could have avoided you know, the whole. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: the Pokemon tra- I didn't choose the Pokemon Trainer Life. The Pokemon Trainer Life chose me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, let's get. Back- I'm sorry; I didn't mean to divert you totally from that. Um, let's get back to, uh, your writing. So influences, uh, outside of like TV shows, were there any authors that you read or, um, I don't know what, what really, um, inspired you outside of TV shows? Um, or was that growing up, I, Oh no, no, no. Or growing up, I also read about Tolkien's work. I read pretty much oh, wow. everything by Tolkien. Um, C.S. Lewis. I understand yeah. that now. The irony of it—it's very Christian. It's very strong Christian roots. Still fun adventures. It's still a great story. Yeah. I can appreciate other, you know, texts based off of other religious ideologies as long as it's entertaining, as long as it's intriguing, as long as it's good. Yeah. Um, then, as I got older, I started delving into other works, other authors, such as Clive Barker. Is uh, you know, was and still is a big influence on me. Oh, yeah. Started getting into more into splatter, um, splattercore authors. Clive Barker once again is considered part of that subgenre. His books uh, of blood are rough. oh, absolutely, <laughs> they're <Splatter-core>. brutal, <laughs> through and through. But there's when you find out there's authors even more hardcore than he is, mm-hmm. such as Edward Lee, um, Jack Ketchum. You also have J.F. Gonzalez. If J.F. Gonzalez especially. Be, oh, no. If you do not have an ironclad stomach, do not read his books, especially Survivor. Oh, that no. is one of the most gruesome books I've ever read in my life. But it's an influence. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So what were some of your first forays professionally on the writing side of things? Most of my professional writing work involves my anime journalism, which I did for about five, six years. I started writing that, just writing for a local anime shop in my hometown that started when I was in college. Nice. Um, started writing for her. The owner was, uh, I can't remember her name, was a woman mm-hmm. who she wanted me to write for her newsletter. And so I did that for about a few months, you know, cute little piddly newsletters. Yeah. And then... I thought, you know, I can go, I can go bigger. So I sent in an example of my work to a UK-based website called Otaku News, and he said, "Yeah, you, you have what it takes to write for our site." So I started writing for them. I started writing reviews and doing interviews, and then I started. They said, "Okay, 
I now have the qualifications to get a press badge to go into conventions and interview people, interview industry. So I started doing that. And then with that, I met a f someone who she said, excuse me, she said that, okay, the site I'm writing for is looking for journalists. That's when I really began to kind of go upwards. Mm. Started doing interviews with even bigger names in the industry, getting connect, getting an industry pass, going into bigger conventions. Then other sites started picking up, okay, we want you to write reviews for our site. So it just kind of snowballed until a few of the sites went down and then I just stopped doing anime reviews and anime journalism. I'll do, occasionally I'll do reviews. Right. But more for smaller sites, just for the fun of it, not anything professional. So was there, do you feel like there was ever a surge of interest in anime that's ever waned? Or is there just this constant sort of subgenre fandom that persists? It goes in dips, rises, right. declines, and growth. Um, I would say the 90s was when anime, in the West particularly, mm -hmm. went through a third, a third wave of extreme growth. And especially with, you know, people of my generation. Right. Especially like, you know, other 10-year-old kids that, you know, I began to realize they weren't anime, but in my particular neighborhood, I was the only one into it. And, so, I mean, yeah. outside of Pokemon, what are some of the more popular titles that you feel like really connected with, uh, I mean, your generation specifically, but, you know, in those surge times of interest, what are some of the more popular titles that really drew people into it? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so, of course, Dragon Ball Z, that's a staple. Right. Huge staple. Um, Cowboy Bebop, definitely solidified. Add to the solidification. Mm -hmm. By the way, check that out. It's an amazing series. Okay. Um, I would also say the Gundam series, particularly during my time in the late '90s, Gundam Wing. Even though now I look back, like man, that's an awful, that's an awful install installment in the series, <laughs> other series in the in the whole fandom. But that's another story. Yeah. I would say, for me personally, those were the big three that really got me in. Pokemon was the was the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, were the ones that solidified it, put it all into this is a serious art form. At least, you know, for that, that in my eyes, this was a serious art form. Yeah. And I, well, of course, wasn't the only one. There's a lot of scholarly pursuits. A lot of people who look at anime from a scholarly viewpoint. I mean, regionally, it, it's massive. So, you know, we can't really diminish it because some Western audiences don't appreciate it. Um, and really, it's just it, the the art form has never it, it's never had mass exposure, to, certainly to my generation. Um, and so, a lot of the disinterest, I think, is just out of just straight up ignorance. Now I've had people that have just shouted at me, you must check out, you know, these anime titles. And I mean, they're on my list, of course, but, and they're of my same generation. So it's, it's one of those things, like once you tap that vein and you find the appreciation for the style and um, the style of storytelling, then you're just sort of 
you're hooked, I guess. So, might I add? Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Might I add? I absolutely hate it when people say you have to watch this. <laughs> you have to see this movie. You have to play this game. You have to. Re- no, 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 no. I have enough of a backlog as it is. Quit adding <laughs> my backlog. Okay, I'll watch it when I want to watch it, and then they get all in. Some people, some fans get indignant. Yeah. Like bad when you state that you're not interested in a particular series or a game or whatever. Yeah. And they just go on and on about it. There's I, something. See, yeah, I mean, you just sort of awoke a beast here because there's there's people who they'll find out that I like you know, sci-fi fantasy or fantasy. And they're like, oh my gosh, have you read this X, you know, this, this random um, obscure fantasy novel? I was like, no. And they're like, you would love it so much because it has all these little fucking, blah, 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 and they just sort of go off. And I'm just like, I, I'm not really that interested if, if I'm being honest. Like, you're, you had an emotional connection to this doesn't mean that I will, you know? I mean, I, 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 I've never really understood that need to connect with other people over what you love. Like, if you love it, it should be enough that it's just... It's like first-phase Satanism over, you know, a book or a movie or something, you know? There's like, you must find out about this because I connected with this, so you must connect with it too, and everyone will love it, and, you know, we'll, we'll all hell Satan together <laughs> in this example. It's just crazy to me. You can't just enjoy it within yourself. You gotta, you gotta shoot it all over my face too. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm that you watch porn with me. Oh, you gotta see this scene. (laughs) Just keep it out of my eyes. (laughs) It's amazing. Oh, did you see that? Oh, that was buckets of it, man. You gotta watch. Oh my god. You gotta watch this. It's funny because um, you, uh, R, and myself did have some pretty funny um, side conversation about tentacles (laughs) before. So I can understand, like, just random, (laughs) obscure riffing for sure we're just not trying to you know put a tentacle in anyone <laughs> at these distances anyway. um all right so uh you wrote for anime as uh, an industry reviewer as um just news promotion and interviews uh did you ever want to break out of anime and and go to any other uh genre of of uh media <clears throat> Well, for the longest time, I wanted to be a film critic, mm-hmm. actually write for magazines or on just regular films. They could be live action, animation, whatever. Anything that's in the theater, I wanted to review it. Um, I even sort of, as a joke, would say I was the Roger Ebert of anime reviews. <laughs> and I didn't sincerely believe that. Pardon me, dude. I didn't... <laughs> um, but he was my Roger Ebert was my idol. I wanted to be become a great film reviewer like him. Yeah. And I realized, took time after aside from my, the niche I was in, I realized it'd be extremely difficult to get into film reviews. Mm-hmm. And also the the competition is extremely fierce, and the chances. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The chances of ever making it to that level are practically non-existent. Then something hit me. Why would I want to become 
a famous someone who reviews already existing works, who talks about things that already exist. The someone who critiques the creators. Mm-hmm. When I could become a creator myself. Yeah. So I decided I'm gonna start doing fiction, write more poetry, write essays. There'll be I want people to review my work. Right. I want people to write fan fictions off of my creations. I want to have fans, not just be the fan. Nice. Well, you do have a website, and this is a perfect transition because before we um, started our conversation here, we were talking about um, poetry that you've written and uh, different short stories that you've written. And I asked you to, uh, I asked if you would be willing to recite one of your uh, poems. And, Absolutely. Uh, you wanna, you wanna do that now? Yeah, I'm gonna just get my phone right here. I have it on my phone. Awesome. I didn't entirely memorize it. Shame on. <laughs> I couldn't either. <laughs> I've written many a thing, and I've never memorized any of it. Even my short little intros to these shows, you'll see me constantly looking down at to um, remember my own fucking name. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just pulling your leg. All right, so this poem is called Maybe. Now, maybe I'm a solipsist because I am obsessed and my darkest fear is that I continue to exist. Or maybe I'm a pessimist. Call me Schopenhauer. I'll trudge forth to my darkest hour. May flowers, but denied my April shower. When it comes to me, enemies know one word, devour. I continue the fight or flight, hated by both worlds, represent the black and the white. Now I do agree that there is much beauty in the verse, but in all honesty, all I can see is the curse. I can say there's one thing we can all agree on. This shit is only getting worse. I want the world, but can't, come to, can't seem to come full circle. And I've been told to drop dead. Guess it's time to meet Nurgle. So I want to be called Nicholson, because I want to start shining. I can't level up, even though all I do is grinding. Yes, my thoughts are unreliable, and this too is undeniable. So I'll try to take a stand, see how horrible the trial goes. Now watch as the enemies come out in droves. Nice, man. Nice. I really dig the, the rhythm that you recite that, because it does very much feel like... Um, a rap verse or something. I mean, it's, there's a nice pacing to it, I think. Uh, do you share your, uh, your, your poems and your writings online? Yes. So is there, like, where could people go to, to read some of your work? Well, uh, as I've stated, I, I don't know if I stated this earlier or not, but it's, the site is still a bit bare bones, so I'm still working on it. It's, but it's DallasMarshall.com. Nice. That's where you will find my non-satanic essays right. and my non-satanic writings. The other other site, my other personal site, where you can read on my satanic writings and interviews, is WalkOnTheThirdSide.com. And yeah, I mean, your latest is a pretty good interview. I mean, you have, uh, well, who, I'll let you <laughs> say, who is it that oh, you yeah. interviewed in the latest one? Yeah, no problem. I, I got a chance to sit down, interview Magister Nemo. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of doing so a couple times myself, and he is one hell of an interesting gentleman. And so uh, <laughs> what was for you... Um, you know, what was it like interfacing with him? Was this the first time or just the first time that you formally interviewed him? Or, or how was that experience for you? 
Um, I've chatted with him online a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and of, of course, I didn't actually sit down face to face with him. It was I sent him questions. He responded. Mm-hmm. And I like to keep my interviews short since this is a new format for me because this is my anime interviews were long winded. Questions would go on and on because it was audio interviews. Yeah. A few video ones, but mostly audio. Um, but this, I like to keep my satanic interviews to about 11 questions tops, either nine or 11. <laughs> get, get so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why, uh, I mean, outside of the numerical specific reference, is it just because you're trying to condense um, the experience into, you know, a, a small bite-sized chunk? Or are you just trying to discover a specific um, uh, aspect of the interviewee or what's the methodology behind that the reason being is because it's good to intro give people a bite size a taste of this this individual mm-hmm. and give info on okay you want to know more let their work speak for themselves let them speak for themselves or let their work speak for them now don't just get all the info from me interviewing them right give you a taste draw you in now you go after I tell you where to go after this and learn about them I want to give a taste not the full course mm-hmm. offer them a snack not the whole kitchen yeah no, I can appreciate that um, well let me ask you this because there are there has been I would say a resurgence since I started doing um, this type of a format in <clears throat> individuals writing about or promoting the works of Satanists and Satanism as a religion. Uh, and, and right now, I think there are more people than there have been in the previous seven years, I'd argue, um, doing it. So, as with any type of a market, you always want to find your, your little corner and, and work you know, what you're great at, bring that to the table. How do you differentiate what you do uh, versus other individuals who do the same. So let me ask you that. What, what do you think you bring to the table that other people might not? Or maybe not in that context, but just what do you bring to the table that's different? Hmm. I didn't prep him for any of this. So <laughs> just so <laughs> you will understand. Well, I, if, I, if I'm just going, you know, faking it till I make it right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that what one of the things that I bring to the table is that I have, I was this, you know, the Satanist, the kid who grew up in, during really hard times, grew up in a bad neighborhood, grew up, I, I very much the different kid in my entire neighborhood, the things I was into, the, the way I carried myself, the way I talked, so drastically different when I was growing up in really bad urban conditions mm-hmm. i that's how i know that satanism was me like there's no other exp- i was born this way there's no other explanation for how i could possibly be so different when i had all of these external factors drawing into me which it, most kids would succumb to the pressures of that kind of environment but i just didn't and i feel like i kind of bring that into my writing this kind of easy going like hey easygoing approach of here's here's satanism Mm -hmm. here's how i see it but also the toughness that comes with that like i've also 
I've also struggled and I've got, look at where I am now because of this resilience and this tool. Yeah. Look at where I am now. It may not be a whole lot compared to others, but compared to where I was before, it was drastically better. Mm-hmm. It, it, it literally, without sounding too melodramatic, Satanism is one of the major things in my life which literally has saved my life. Because mm-hmm. I grew up, like I said, some really bad environments and in some tough conditions. So I feel like that kind of goes that, that goes through in my writing. I understand that I'm not articulating this as best as I could. No, 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 you're good, man. So. Interesting, all right. Um, and I always ask those type of tough questions. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily tough, but it was very much on the spot. And whenever someone sort of asks, well, what do you bring to the table that's different than everyone else? And you're not prepared for it, or you haven't really considered it, on the fly, you can feel very much, ah, shit, I got to tap dance a little bit until I can formulate this. Because, again, I didn't prep you for that. Um, so I appreciate uh, the, the honesty and, the, and the, 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 the direction of answering that you gave. Because that, I think that, that's a big part of what makes an individual in, 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 an individual an individual. It's your personal background, your personal story, the experiences that you had to work through that inform who you are. And as Satanists, what I think is so wonderful is that we're given this opportunity, and everyone of course has it, but we are presented uh, uh, directly with it just by nature of our religion and lesser magic in this awareness of who we are in order to accept those past experiences, learn from them, and then craft ourselves around them. We use them to to uh, motivate us or to help us identify potential flaws or faults that we might see within ourselves to then further develop or get rid of altogether if we see fit. Um, I always loved that because we are fueled by that life experience rather than in some cases in some different religions you are shamed by them yes absolutely i i like to add to that real quick yeah yeah. um i being raised in as a jehovah's witness in a jehovah's witness household um i was always the child at the kingdom hall Mm -hmm. kingdom hall is like a jehovah's witness church who was the one who would always ask the tough questions because i i actually studied the bible I actually did the research and I would ask the tough questions, things that didn't make sense to me. Right. So I was like the little Satan in my in my community. He's the weird kid. He's the kind of the pariah, but we won't outright say he is one, hmm. but he, he is. But I viewed Satanism as this when I discovered it. Like, here's, here's the sword. You're in the cave. Here you go. Yeah. Just toss it. Now go forge your own path. Well, shit, I'm already used to doing that. I was kind of alone anyway, so all right. Let's, <laughs> let's pick up the weapon and go. You know, um, let's approach things like a Sith. We don't need the Jedi Council. <laughs> They're going to drag us down. Yeah. Oh. So, we'll be ruled by our passions. We rule by our passions. That's it. Nice. And whether, whether, as Sammy Davis Jr. put it, whether you're right, whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, <laughs> Whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me. And that, to me, is Satanism in a nutshell. 
I can't believe you pulled out Sammy Davis Jr. That's badass. I don't know <laughs> that's, anyone. That's the anthem right there. I love that song. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, all right. So uh, you already mentioned that people can find uh, your developing website on your personal uh, poetry and short stories, uh, DallasMarshall.com. Then you mentioned, of course, your satanic writings of essays and interviews at uh, WalkOnTheThirdSide.com. Um, can but I want to get into um, some of your favorite anime because this is a side of culture that I'm not familiar with. But before I do that, just sort of teasing it for the audience here, I would like to know why you started a religious website when you have your own professional website already. Um, what is it that you're hoping to be able to explore in Walk on the Third Side that you couldn't explore on DallasMarshall.com? Because DallasMarshall.com has to deal with more of the public at large. It mm -hmm. presents ideas or stories that could appeal to a wider audience. Since, or at least somewhat of a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Whereas Walk on the Third Side, Satanism is so niche, such a niche religion, yeah. that I don't want to merge the two because the passions that I have for both are very different in the way they present themselves. Mm -hmm. I, kind of like a separation of church and state. <laughs> yeah. Church of Satan over here, right? And the Marshall Islands over here. Yeah, Marshall Islands. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Um. So I want them to remain separate because mm -hmm. I want my religious viewpoints to be explored, given their own platform. I don't want to merge the two. Yeah. Nice. So, what are you looking to get out of um, Walk on the Third Side? Uh, what what are you hoping to um, further explore? I view it as a means for me to practice the dictum of study, not worship. Nice. It's the study of writing, putting satanic thoughts that are swirling about my mind and putting it to the to page, mm -hmm. and putting it into a context where. I never knew, okay, I was able to sit down and think about this principle. Let's put it in essay format. Now it's explored. Okay, as you practice more and more, study not worship, practice makes perfect, you realize, okay, I'm able to take this complicated concept, not only simplify it, but augment it. Use it, furthering the tool, furthering the tool right. that is already there. Mm -hmm. making it better nice and then presenting other people with that idea that maybe they didn't see it in that way either mm -hmm. does, does that make any sense yeah absolutely no yeah. i i love that um i was uh i'm always interested because you never really know where someone else is coming from and it's refreshing to know that it's always uh, typically from a position of no, I just I just want to understand. I want to learn more. I, I want to work at this thing a little bit more, rather than just say I already know everything. I'm the grand poobah, and I will move forth. And you know, you must respect my authority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pull a carbon on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Um, I, let's let's get into some of this anime because okay, so oh yeah, yeah. Further, just one more thing I wanted to bring up um, to add to your question about why did you what do you bring to the table? Yeah, there's a really great quote that I that I I love from Reverend Mandrake where he says, Satanism demands study, not worship. And I'm looking for a few outstanding study partners. <laughs> I love that quote, and I decided, okay, that's why. That's one of the reasons, one of the catalysts for writing the site, starting the site. Nice. I dig it, man. Um, okay, so I asked you to, to list off uh, a number of your favorite, or maybe most influential, or just beloved uh, anime titles as a means of explaining sort of the passion for it to me and, and hopefully, you know, introducing me to some, some films that I could check out on my own. And you did give me this list. So I'm going to go over to some images and we'll just sort of, uh, you know, have you talk about these. Tell me what it is about them that you think is noteworthy and interesting. And let's just have a little fun with this, okay? Fantastic. Let's do it. We're starting right here at the top here. Akira. Mm, okay. Akira is one of those... This came out in the year 1988. Mm. And it was one of the most influential um, anime films. Actually, scratch that. One of the most influential animation films in general. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that sort of proved that animation... It solidified the idea that animation can be for adults. Mm -hmm. And... This film has one of the most, one of the strongest cult followings. Not not just for anime fans, but just when someone loves this film, it's one of those films you either love it or you don't. Mm -hmm. But the themes it explores, the idea of societal breakdown and post-apocalyptic sci-fi and psychic powers and... It explores so much, I can't really just put it into one neat little package and then just present it to you. Yeah. It's one of those things you have to experience it. Okay. And... Well, is it... So, I mean, is all... This is going to sound really ignorant, so <laughs> please uh, forgive me for, for being such. Um, <laughs> is all anime... The, like, that's the art style. It Does it all explore the same... Mytho mythological elements like tech and you know psychic exploration and cyber uh, exploration like is it all in that same vein or do they you know try out different sort of fantasy genres as well oh absolutely not with anime mm -hmm. the 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 gamut is explored of different types of genres and art forms and themes Themes, fan, you, any type of genre you can think of a film, anime has it. Okay. Fantasy, comedy, drama, slice of life, science fiction, any type of subgenre you can think of, it's there. Um, you have things for children, for adults. You have, you have a, any type of emotion is explored. You have things that could exist for the smallest of children to straight up porn. You have. Like, I, I, I will emphasize the gamut. It runs the gamut of everything. Hell yeah. All right. 
Well, let's see what this next one is. <laughs> okay, I hit the button, but it didn't move. My neighbor Totoro? Yes. Um, speaking of things for, for kids, but it's, trust me, uh, adults love it just as much because this is actually my favorite anime film of all time. It's not just my, like, one of my favorites. It's my favorite. And it's by the anim the Japanese animation legend himself, Hayao Miyazaki. Any anything he creates is is up there. In he's considered one of the pioneers of animation, not just for Japanese animation, but animation in general. And actually, his film Spirited Away. Yeah, I love that film. I've seen that one. Was the did you know that was the first anime film to win an Academy Award? I did not. Yeah, it was the first Japanese animated feature to win any kind of Academy Award. Holy shit. Yeah. And but this was once again a film in the late eighties, nineteen eighty nine. And I love this film so much because it may be for children, but it never insults the intelligence of children. Mm-hmm. And adults can enjoy it too because of the way it paces itself. It isn't fast paced. It doesn't have this sense of, you know, danger or impending. It doesn't need to feel like it needs to overstimulate anything yeah. mentally for children or adults. And it's all is the perfect representation of childhood and the beauty of nature. It has it. it has a real appreciation for nature. Most of Miyazaki's films do, but this one, for some reason, really solidifies that almost nature nature worship to me. Yeah, it's really it's very strongly present. Cool. Well, I definitely like Spirited Away, so I'll have to check this one out too. All right, let's see what's next here. Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Tokyo, Tokyo Godfathers, I, more of like, that was a good okay, like, yeah, okay, I love This is one of the few films that my mom will actually watch. Oh, really? Yeah, she she's like, I don't understand this whole anime appeal, and then I show her films like this, and she's like, okay, there's some of them I can understand, some of them I can understand, and this is one of them, and this is about three homeless people in Japan, in Tokyo, who find an abandoned baby and then go on a quest during Christmas in Tokyo to to return said baby to their parents, to her parents, I mean. Interesting. Now, it starts, it has its, it has sort of like this goofy but it also has Oh, shit. You are breaking up right now. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, can you it's a little bit choppy, but I, I can start to hear you coming through. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm losing you completely. Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me now? Okay, good. I don't know. Yeah, sorry about that. It's just the internet connection. Sometimes it goes a little weak. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, so what, what was the last thing I said that you picked up? Um, they were going on and trying to return the child uh, during Christmas, and then you started breaking up. Okay, so yes. Um, what's great about... 
I'm starting to think the internet doesn't want you to explain this to me because you just start breaking up again. <laughs> That's crazy. Doesn't want me to talk about social issues, does it? No. That's wild. Um, okay, let's try this one more time. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Okay. For the third time, <laughs> this is a film which very well tackles social issues in modern day Japan, such as the homeless epidemic in Tokyo, as well as actual LGBT issues. Because one of the characters is a, is a trans woman mm -hmm. who begins to resonate with the baby and wants to not return it because she always felt like she was a woman and this is her chance to be a mother. Um, one of the characters is a runaway teen. One is a deadbeat. The, old, the older gentleman on the, on the right is a deadbeat dad who's running away from his responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And it, it presents these heavy issues with a dash of humor, so it never feels like it overwhelms you. Everything's really well balanced. Nice. Okay, so I suggest we move to the next film, of course. Yeah, Stop. yeah. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Summer Wars. Is this, is this it? The right image? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just a fun movie. That's all I got to say. This, the plot's not particularly deep. The whole idea is what if Facebook became even larger than it is now? And it just, it goes on like a, a super virus comes in and just takes over and starts becoming more and more sentient and begins to threaten the very existence of the world itself. But doing it in the most fun, family-friendly, friendly, action-packed way. Oh, it's wow. just an all-around really fun movie. Okay. Very, very, very. It's it's an adrenaline rush kind of film. It's a lot of fun. That's all I really have to say about it. All right. Well, I will have to check that out. Now I've heard of this one a lot. Oh yeah. If you if you are looking for spooky imagery. You know, gothic, really strong gothic tones, lots of vampires, blood, zombies, really fantastic um, element. Not, fanta not fantastic. What's the word? Sorry, I'm gibbering here. Really dark fantasy elements. Mm -hmm. This is the film. And it's beautifully animated. The attention to detail rivals that of excuse me, rivals that of what you would see in terms of major American animation studios like Disney or oh, wow. DreamWorks. And it's all hand-drawn. And the artist, Yoshitaka Amino, who does the character designs, he, um, I am in love with his work. I'm in love with that man's artistry. I even own a tarot deck. He actually crafted a tarot deck. Mm -hmm. And I spent top dollars i said whatever price it is here's a blank check put whatever money you want on whatever whatever amount you want on it i will pay it i have to have this deck because <laughs> i love his artwork when you watch the film you will see why i love his artwork so much i'm gonna have to check it out it's one of those titles it's literally been around since i was i 
like a teenager, people have been telling me I need to watch. I think they were referring to the original, but I should watch this. So I don't know why I haven't yet. I will say, um, I'll be honest, the first one really didn't do it for me. Oh, really? It, yeah, it, it really didn't do it for me. I know that's, that's blasphemy God, for me to even say that for <laughs> anime fans. But I feel like this is one of the rare cases that the sequel is better than the original. Nice. All right. Well, what's this one? Because you had not saved for work next to this one. Ooh, Earl Suki Doji, Legend of the <laughs> Overfiend. Interesting story behind this one. This is the. This was created by Toshio Maeda, who I not only did I get it, I got to interview, but he is the granddaddy of Tentacles. Oh he's shit! The, really? <laughs> he's the one that made Tentacle Hentai a household name. Oh, I got to sit down and interview him. In English, he speaks he, he speaks English very well, and the whole premise of this story, this much like Akira, this was re released around the same time, but of course not to major theaters. But it had the same influence because people were like, "This is this is trippy. How do I approach this?" <laughs> here's a, here's porn with a with an actual story, and. Oh my goodness, is it actually making me feel things emotionally? <laughs> my shorts are getting tight. Like, I thought I thought women only made me cry through my penis, but now they're making me cry through my eyes. <laughs> cry through my penis. <laughs> but, but, okay, so the whole premise of the story is... <laughs> I've never heard it put that way before. That's funny. <laughs> 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 the whole premise of the story is 3,000 years ago, a creature called the Over... Um, there was... There's three worlds. There's the human world, the demon world, and the man-beast world. The man-beast and the demon world are aware of each other's existence, but the human world is oblivious to the existence of either. Well, thing, there's this thing called the Over... The Chojin. You could say the Overfiend, but... Japanese version is the Chojin, okay. who created everything, and he hasn't really liked where things are going. So he decides, okay, it's time to come back and bring the apocalypse. But the demon world doesn't like likes how their world is, so they want to prevent that. So they go to the human world and cause all kinds of havoc to stop the Chojin from being born, which is the child supposedly the child of two humans. So it's basically a, pro a prophecy story mixed with porn and science fantasy. It's strange, it's bizarre, and I love every fucking moment. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out because now my curiosity is peaked. I want it to make my wiener cry. <laughs> You know, it's not its not exactly, to me, it's not exactly titillating, it really isn't. Oh, really? But okay. It is, it is essentially porn, but it's not really titillating, it's not, I felt, I actually was more intrigued by any sex. So, there you go. Alright, well, I'm still going to have to check it out. <laughs> Alright. So this, yeah, what is this? 
barefoot again. So this is essentially an animated retelling of the bombing of Hiroshima. Oh, shit. Yes. Now, what sets it apart is that this is, this is an anime film where it doesn't vilify the Americans, per se. It actually, the main character, again, the boy you see, his father is a farmer. I, there's actually some satanic twinges with that character because he teaches his son about self-reliance and he also teaches his son to think for himself because he actually blurts out in one scene that he hates the the Japanese government during that time. He, oh. he believes that the country is run by madmen and that basically the way Japan is going is pretty much the fault of the government. So it's almost like the film is, is shaking the finger more at the Japanese government than it is the bombing itself. It's almost like it, it was saying the bombing would have been prevented if, if Japan didn't have its counterproductive pride. It's interesting. And on top of that, the scene where um where his father said, we're getting they're sitting in the dining room, and I'm really very much paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the dining room and Gen says something about the war. Why is it going on? And his his father says, Because our country is run by madmen and lunatics. And Gen responds, Dad, if they hear you say that, they're gonna call you a traitor. He responds, let them call me a traitor. You know, I'd rather, because, but what I'm saying is the truth. And if there's any lesson that I'm going to teach you is that stand up for what's right and what is true, even if it's difficult and everybody else will hate you. It's like, I like and it. It, yeah, and it, damn. And this is, this is, this was, rep- you know, he's basically saying, very much a, a satanic viewpoint right there in a time where extreme conformism in Japanese society, extreme conformity, even more so than it is today. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will have to check that out. I think that'd be a very interesting perspective on it. And I must say that when they when they show the scene of the bombing, it is one of the most horrifyingly beautiful things I've ever seen put to animation because they show the effects of it, like skin is melting off of, oh, shit. of people. There's there's people turning to dust. There's there's like and it, and it does it for like slow motion, like detailed. And when the after effects, you literally see the Walking Dead. Like people are walking with eyes coming out of their sockets. Oh shit! And it's like it, it's showing you this is this is what it was like. People who were you know were alive seeing all. It's like looking at The Walking Dead. People's skin was melting off of their faces. Um, body parts were strewn about. It, it, it's graphic, but it's done in a way that's tasteful. It doesn't feel like it's exploitative. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're close to our time limit, so let's go to our second to last one. This is the only type poster type image I could find. On a cursory glance. So, what's Angel's egg? Oh, well, I'm actually getting to wonder. Uh, Did I <laughs> grab the wrong one? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, I thought 
I'm looking at it's written in English. I thought that the film wasn't was never uh, publicized in any Western country. This was purely a Japanese release. Anyway, wow, I have to look that up. I can probably buy it on DVD now or Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, okay, Angel's Egg. Very little dialogue. It's mostly tells a story through visuals. And it requires many views to get exactly what it's trying to say, if you can figure out it all. But if you notice the artwork yeah. in front, that's the same artist as I was talking about, Yoshitaka Abino from Vampire Hunter D. Oh, nice. So if you, as you can see, it's very detailed, very wispy, beautiful art. Mm -hmm. um, not that, of course, he, he didn't direct any of these, either of these films. He just, he was the, the designer. But um, I can't, to try to explain the story of Angel's Egg is, is kind of futile. Because as I said, it's more of a visual, it's a visual experience, very little dialogue. And it's more like you have to take the symbolism, the fragments of that symbolism, and piece it all together yourself. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Okay. It's about it's only about eighty minutes. It's not a long film. Yeah. All right. And then the very last one here. I've heard of this a lot. Ghost in the Shell. The definitive cyberpunk anime film. The the uh, the defend the go to cyberpunk anime film. So much of an influence back in 1995 that the Wachowskis, um, the Matrix is influenced strongly by Ghost in the Shell. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. You know, the whole, uh, in the Matrix, the whole plugging them up yeah. back head, that Ghost in the Shell had that, as you can see. Yeah, interesting. I did not know that. Um, very, a lot of elements. Okay, I can't keep using that word. I need to stop. Uh, <laughs> themes of what it is to be human machine and man existentialism there's a lot to dissect and chew on so you can't just mindlessly while you're seeing right so what did you think of the remake did you ever see that the Scarlet oh Gunners. yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, you know, there was a lot of there was flack for that film, but I actually enjoyed it, but not for the same reasons. I'm just impressed when anyone can try to adapt to an American audience in a live action anime film because it's difficult for some reason. Anime, unless it's done by the Japanese, is hard to adapt. Mm -hmm. It's hard to adapt. And I feel the same way about the Speed Racer live-action film. Um, you can tell they love Ghost in the Shell. They love Speed Racer. You can tell whoever works on each respective work that they love the original source material and that they're trying to adapt it the best way they can. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it for the effort and what it is, not so much for the end product. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm gonna have to take this list and slowly mark off movies as i watch them uh because uh, you've got some well, really interesting ones 
Yeah, you, you won't regret it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your poetry and sharing your story with us. Um, I, I really do think it's very interesting. And everyone out there, check out DallasMarshall.com and definitely check out WalkingTheThirdSide.com where you're going to get a little taste of his um, uh, storytelling, his weaving of words, and his exploration of Satanism through essays and interviews. Um uh, is there anything anywhere else you would like to point people or are those the two, the two primary places that they should go? Yeah, you know, two very primary places. I'll, I'll put a link to all of my old anime journalism wherever I can find it on DallasMarshall.com. Okay. So if you want to catch up on that aspect of me or learn about my intrepid adventures in the world of Japanese animation, then by all means check that out when I include the links. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, thank you all so much for joining live and for sharing your favorite anime films as we are uh, discovering that part of the interview. And just, you know, for being a part of the show in your own way in the chat room. I really do appreciate it. Um, DA, until we can speak the level... <laughs> I can't even fucking talk, dude. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Until we can speak of the devil again, my friend. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.